Hey everybody, welcome to The Afterword. I'm Dave Tish. The Afterwards are weekly podcast where we talk about what we didn't get to talk about in the weekend's message. Now, for the past couple of weeks, we have been in the book of Matthew. And last week, we saw an incredible story. We read about Jesus being baptized. And then, right after that baptism, we hear a voice. It is the very voice of God himself. And uh, we're not sure what this voice sounded like. But I have a hunch... It was probably something a little like this. Look, Simba, everything the light touches is our kingdom. Okay, I'm just kidding. Uh, but this week, we continue in the story in Matthew chapter 4, and we hear a different voice. And this voice is very different. This is not the voice of God, but indeed the voice of Satan himself. Again, I'm not sure what this voice sounded like, but it might have been something like this. You're not just going to let him die like that, are you? My shoulder, Angel. Don't listen to that guy. He's trying to lead you down the path of righteousness. I'm going to lead you down the path that rocks. I'll come off it. You come off it. You. 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 You infinity. Ah. Regardless, we are going to dive for the next couple weeks into the story of the temptations of Jesus. Um, actually, it's one temptation with three parts, but... I'm splitting hairs. Anyway, we're going to dive into that this week. My guest is Dana Clifford, who helps us unpack this incredible story, this interesting story, with all sorts of nuance. Let's dive right in. Okay. Well, everybody, welcome to The Afterword. I'm here with Dana Clifford. Dana, so glad you're here. Me too. Good to be here, Dave. It is. Okay, so this past weekend, we continued on in our Matthew series, and we talked about, I'm not going to say this is one of the weirdest passages of the gospel, but it kind of is. It's a very strange passage where Jesus, the baptism was something. Boy, the heavens open up. God the Father speaks in audible voice. A dove descends. The Holy Spirit descends on Jesus. The water's part. He's the Messiah. It's unbelievable. It's like, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased, right? Yeah. Just this magnificent moment for Jesus, but then with the people, you know, are surrounding him, I can't even right. really imagine. And even us looking on, I mean, to have God the Father say this is nuts, right? So, and then it says immediately after that, the Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tested. And we have this this scene of testing. Um, we talked, sometimes it's translated tempting. We talked about how that's actually not, a the a, this is a paucity, and this is a problem with the English language, not the Bible. Right. Uh, so this is a problem with our, our words, with English right. words, and how uh, tested is a better word. And yeah, how the Spirit led him to be tested, but in the midst of that, yes, the, he was tempted uh, the tempter came. So, you know, the right. same circumstance can be looked at from two different perspectives, I guess. You know? Yeah. Well, the best example I could come up with um, was when I was like five, I saw this example really clearly of a test and it was in Empire Strikes Back. I'm like five, six years old, seven years old. And all of a sudden Luke is out there, he's fighting Darth Vader. And then Darth Vader, like, chops off his hand, he doesn't have any weapon, and he's hanging on the end of this weather antenna. And Darth Vader says to Luke, 
I'm your father. Join me, and together we will rule the galaxy. Join me, and I will complete your training. With our combined strength, we can end this destructive conflict and bring order to the galaxy. I'll never join you! And I'm like a little boy, and I'm like, no, <laughs> don't do it! It'll ruin everything! You'll turn into a bad guy and your friends will die, right? I knew what the stakes were. I knew that it was a big deal, and I and, and then Luke reveals who he is. He reveals it, and so he he's like, let's go, and it's like, he, I'd rather die than join you. In fact, he said, I'd rather die than join you, and then that that's what it was. So, in a real uh, way, that's just, like a test. Yeah. Just to stop there, though, I don't remember it that vividly, but I do remember I was older than five years yes. old at the time oh, sure. whenever I saw sure. that. So sure. I don't have quite that passionate memory well, of you. But it, it was seared in my brain, the idea of a test, right? Because that's a test. That's mm -hmm. a test. And, and Luke passed it. Mm -hmm. And in this case, what we've seen through the biblical history is humans have had lots of tests and they have not passed it. Yeah. And Jesus is going to, right? Israel failed. Mm -hmm. Jesus is going to pass the test and this is really good news for right. everybody um but like okay so i guess we're gonna skip over the whole fact that there's this evil otherworldly supernatural force called the accuser satan who shows up in the middle of the desert we're gonna have a whole other like sermon series devoted to the spiritual realm and the unseen realm the bible takes it for granted though mm -hmm. yeah. and the bible presents this unseen realm as real as real as concrete and as influential on human lives and human and human history mm -hmm. and modern people, Dana, we don't believe that. Right. Right. But if, um, it's that sense too, though, if we're going to really look at the story of Jesus and how he lived and how, what he believed, yeah, this was a part of it. This was not something that like was strange to him. Right. I, I, but it's very strange as modern folk. Mm -hmm. it, it it doesn't sound right. I, I'm reminded of I was reading um I was reading this book on this very topic, and they were talking about how I might have told you the story Queen Victoria when she was pregnant. Mm -hmm. Did I tell you this? You did. Uh, yeah. So Queen Victoria when she was pregnant, and Queen Victoria is the Queen of England. She's the most powerful, per, probably person in the whole world at that time, with the smartest advisors and the most gifted thinkers around her, and they would not let her go to a zoo when she was pregnant for fear that if she saw an elephant, the baby would have a long nose, or if she saw a monkey, it would have big ears. That's how permeable they thought this. And this is in the Victorian era. This is not that long ago. The belief that there's another realm that can actually influence, that's now, I can't even imagine the ridicule or mockery that somebody would face if they said to you know the queen, don't right. go outside, don't go to a zoo because your, your unborn baby might have a long nose if you see an elephant. The point is, we have drastically changed worldviews, and the worldview in the West is, uh, the best word is materialistic, and not not like they're after money, but material world is all there is, and the Bible does not present that. The Bible, it grates against that idea, like, really strongly, mm -hmm. and so we'll deal with that later, but um, that I, th I did find that that was part of the story that we didn't really get to talk about, you know? Absolutely. So, yeah. like, how, how did you... How did you process that? Like, I mean, was that was that part of your when you were a kid growing up? You grew up with the Bible being taught. Did you hear about these these realities pretty early on? Were you taught about? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, it it um, 
was kind of the cartoon character type oh. of, you know, you got the one <laughs> the on the devil your on the yeah, shoulder. Older, yeah. Don't do this. Don't do that. You know, yeah. do you listen to the good one or the bad one or right, whatever? Right. But it was not really uh, too much of a, um, we didn't have a, a real deep understanding of what that looked like. But right. I do think that, especially um, with for me, growing up in the South and my generation and so forth, there was a understanding that there was real evil in the world. Right, right. Um, and I think today, you know, what's going on right now, there it, it shows that there is evil in the world. Right. We just don't want to um, place it in a being or a spiritual being or or anything like that. Yeah. So, um, but more on the choices that we make. <laughs> right, right. Um, which it is our own choices too. But right. there is the spiritual world. Yeah. That is uh, very real. And sometimes we don't pay enough attention to it. Right. C.S. Lewis in his book, um, The Screwtape Letters, um, which is yeah. kind of all about right. the spiritual realm, he right. says there's two big errors that happen. We either don't pay attention at all to Satan or we pay too much attention mm -hmm. and everything is, Oh, Satan made me eat La Vix yeah. and now I have heartburn. <laughs> no, no. The smell of carne asada made you eat La Vix and you're a human being and the orange sauce is delicious anyway. Um, okay. So let's get into this temptation um, because kind of, and I love the way that you structured your message because there's so much in here and they're not cluttered. That's not what I'm saying. There's like seven sermons in this mm -hmm. and you wove right through this idea Jesus is tempted by Satan, and the way he gets through this te this test, um, the only way to get through this test, to cling to God, is he is he has imbibed, he has eaten, he has memorized, he has ingested and become he is He uses the Word of God, he uses Scripture mm -hmm. to to be formed into the type of person who can withstand this test. That scripture actually is the formational tool that changes us as we meditate on the very words and the heart of God. It changes us into people who have the heart of God, who have his words in our mind. Um, and, and that was kind of your um, thesis, I would say. Yeah. Is that is that is that pretty close to what you were trying to accomplish? In yeah. This Even when you're talking there, I was thinking, though, about Jesus. I mean, when we think of him, him being human. But also, God, I mean, the word of God, the scriptures that were given to man, I mean, Jesus was in the middle of the formation of all of that. He didn't have to, you know, I think he did have to as a little boy memorizing this and that, but it was also, it was him. He, I mean, not only this place, this is early in his, his ministry and, and all, but all throughout, he he always refers to the Old Testament scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures, and brings them in because that's the story, the journey. It's not like, oh, well, that was before or the past or anything. This is just who he is. Right. And so it's very natural. I think it's very natural for him because it was just who he, who he is, who he was, to be using those scriptures. But it's not quite as natural for us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he would have gone to school. He yeah. would have memorized this um, as a, a young young man, mm -hmm. um, as a young boy even. He would have memorized the first five books of the Pentateuch. He would have memorized mm -hmm. the, the books of history. Uh, and then as a as a young 
person. He, it's it's likely he memorized the rest of it. I, I'm really I'm shocked because sometimes when he interacts with uh, women, mm-hmm. he quotes the Psalms and the Proverbs because those are the parts of scripture that the women would have memorized. Mm-hmm. And so he interacts with those scriptures that they would have been deeply familiar with in their heart, you know? Uh, it's really interesting. Uh, he is a man of the scriptures, by the scriptures, for the scriptures, right? Right. That's what he is. Yeah, and you know, it's only four little verses for us. Sure. Like, you know, Satan says, you know, if you are the son of God, turn these right. stones to bread. And Jesus says, it's written. Man does and, not live by bread alone. Yeah, but I mean, that's so simple and short, but... When you pause and think, I it it's it's um, a lifetime of of preparation to get to the point where he could he could say no to this, yeah, and yes to this because he had been doing it. It was just all it was it was his life. Um, it seems simple there for him, yeah, but. It was just as complicated there for him <laughs> as it is for us to yeah. to say yes to God and no to other things. It's a reminder. I, I saw a, a a quote from a famous chef. Um, I think it was um, who's the Hell's Kitchen guy? Gordon Ramsay. Yeah, so Gordon, him, but... <laughs> I don't either. But Gordon Ramsay, they asked him, "How do you make the perfect uh, beef Wellington?" And he goes, "It's very easy." You spend around 20 to 25 years in a restaurant perfectly making beef wellington. You can make a good beef wellington. It, it's it's the same kind of concept. Yeah. Okay, so now let me ask you a question. You've been doing this for a long time as mm-hmm. in the pastor, in the church world, in, in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that Christians, most Christians that you've encountered, take the Bible too seriously or not seriously enough in terms of the amount of time that they dedicate to ingesting it, to eating it? Mm-hmm. Would you say that that's it's pretty good? It's it's average or or it's emaciated? Yeah, I would say definitely not serious enough in the sense of the time that we give, and also probably how what we think it will how it will impact us. Hmm. So, um, just mentioning, you know, Jesus just didn't end up here and say, <laughs> "Oh, let me let me see if I can come up with a way to right. uh, to pass right. this test." Right, he'd been doing it all his life in, in a sense studying all yeah, his life yeah. exactly and the same is true with for us in the sense is we, if we get to a situation that is difficult for us or we're being tested or we are being tempted by the evil one and we feel if we think that just oh well because I've never read the Bible or I haven't studied or I don't know God's truth or his word that it's going to be easy for us to, to go God's way. That's just, I mean, it's not the truth. So it is a a lifelong daily process of saying, what God, what is your word? And fortunately for me, and I don't even know why part of it's my personality, right? but um, you're a studious person. You're kind of a perfectionist. You like habits, you like disciplines. It, It helps bring order to to the world that's just who you are absolutely so so for me i would say that as a young teenager um when i began to really follow jesus um it was a no it was not even a thought of should i be in god's word it was part of a group that i i was a part of a youth group at the time and and so forth but still it was it was um something that i was 
enjoyed and was passionate about and studied. So, so I did that. Now, it's not as easy for everybody. People have different personalities. Right. I mean, Steve came in our marriage. He's in his early 20s. And he's learning to read the Bible from a children's Bible because he doesn't know the stories and he never did. But you have to start somewhere, oh, you know. Funny. So yeah, totally. But but to know that that's really such an important piece of yeah. our journey with God is to to take what He's given to us, yeah. with His yeah. Word, and know what it says, so that when the difficult times come, when the testings come, when temptations come that we have something to hold on to and yeah. it's truth that's there so it's very important a couple of i guess it was a couple of years ago now which is hard to believe john mark comer came out um he's a pastor and an author from the portland oregon area and before he had published a book on this he was talking about spiritual formation he gave us a triangle it was a simple triangle and he said this is the triangle of spiritual formation there's three boxes three edges of the triangle one of them is our habits one of them is the people that we're around, and the third is the stories that we believe. He said, for a Christian, when you shift the stories you believe, meaning when you get scripture, that's our, that's the stories that we be, believe. It begins to shape and form us. And the habit of changing the, the stories that we believe is actually two parts of that triangle. So really... And I was talking to the youth camp this past week. I, they had a, a youth camp, and I shared with them that triangle. And I, and and we went through that. And even as teenagers, junior higher and high schoolers, this absolutely hit. They're like, yes. And they know that I mean, it's different lies that they're whispered to, right? Mm-hmm. So Satan whispers a couple different lies to Jesus, and he's whispering a couple different lies to these teenagers. Um, a lot of times it's you're not good enough. You need to be this in order to be good. You need to be this in order to be good enough. It's a lot of that. It's it's a lot of the world is about this, or here's what success looks like. Weird lies, and they kind of know it, but to have it clearly spelled out, by these biblical stories, by it really begins to cut through. Um, there's one boy there, um, a young man, um, boy, <laughs> he's a young man, and um, he was just going through some rough stuff. His his dad's an alcoholic, and his mom had had enough, and she was going to boot him out. And he knew that it was the right thing, but losing his dad and having his dad basically choose alcohol over his family helped him feel, made him feel very, very abandoned. And so to hear that he's not abandoned, that's not his fault, and that he's deeply loved and made by God, and God, his father, will never abandon him, and God, his father, sees his value and will never leave or forsake him, and to see all that Jesus did on the cross to prove that, that's a new story for him, because otherwise he's going to live in this one. You know what I mean? Right. And and that that begins to shape and shift a person, and he's doing it with, with other people right. in Christian community, which is one side of the triangle, and then he's making a habit of meditating on that. So he's being formed and shaped in a whole different way. My question to you is, like, can you think of times, I, I, there's, got a, there's probably a million, a, a time when a scripture came to you in exactly the right way that mm-hmm. formed you into um, what I would call the hero that you are now? <laughs> but like, you know, the follower, yeah. the person who is whose heart is on mind, you know, the Deuteronomy 6, the Shema, that, that you've written his law on his, on your minds and on your heart. Like, can you think of a time when a scripture came to you and it formed and shaped and helped you? Yeah. You know, actually, I didn't have one before, but as you were talking, 
and you're going to, this is going to be a little different than you probably think, but there's a scripture in Matthew 11 where it talks about Jesus says, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest because, you know, take my yoke upon you because it is easy. And I remember um, in my early 20s when I thought that verse was a lie. Yeah. I'm like, I read it. I knew it was in there. It was the truth, but it did not feel like the truth to me because yeah. I am a rule follower. The rules felt heavy. They felt burdensome. And so I remember God taking that frustration with that verse and then using a, a, a book by K. Arthur at the time and um, and then teaching me about his grace versus his law to change me from the inside. And he took me then... This book took us through Galatians, where it takes the difference between living by the law and God's grace. And and it was a transformational process for me because um, people wouldn't have necessarily then afterwards looked at me from the outside and saw a difference in me. Right. But I knew there was a difference because it was a little bit like that young man's story. It began to... to change the story in my head that I was loved not by what I did mm. and not by following the rules. <sighs> and that changed to where I understood that Matthew 11 verse more. Yeah. Um, but that was, uh, I mean, it wasn't like a, a week or two. It, it took was, a while. It did. Yeah, it, it, it took it, a while. It's still, it's still my thinking if I'm not careful, if I don't take the habits and listen to those things. But that that um, section between that and this book and the uh, the book of Galatians and the New Testament scriptures, um, I'm a different person yeah. on the inside. Yeah, like change your motivations. Yes. It changed the way you viewed yes. God, too. Yeah, yeah I, rem- I remember um, early on, I just projected onto God all my dad dysfunction. So God the Father was like mean and angry and judgmental, and he he was always like, you're not good enough. Jesus was awesome. He loved me. It's had this image of like Jesus taking me home after school and like being like, hey, you can come over to my house and we'll we'll have fun and we'll play. Come on over. And he goes in. We go into Jesus's house like it's a big big house so like with lots and lots of rooms, <laughs> big yard. <clears throat> anyway, you can play football. Yeah, you could. Yeah. You could. And um, just the disapproval, like like I can almost imagine God the Father like pulling Jesus into the other room saying, hey, what is he doing here? I thought I told you not to bring any riffraff home. You know, he's like, but, you know, Jesus is like, but daddy's my friend. He's really awesome. And he's like, but if he breaks anything, it's on you. Like I had bifurcated God the Father and Jesus. I really had. And I'd split them in some weird dysfunctional way, you know. So I'm still afraid of God, right? I'm still afraid of of God. And then, you know, you, you move into parenthood and you're thinking, well, Dave, you're, you're a parent. Like you're an adult now. You should know better. But you know, sometimes you don't like you, you just keep in those weird theological dysfunctions. And I was able to proclaim God's love to my students, to high school students that I was serving. It was easy because I knew, I knew it was true, but I, I like, couldn't quite drink it myself, you know? And man, just, I was prepping for good Friday. And which is the serious moment, right? And to see that God the Father and Jesus did this together, mm. you know, they did this both together for for the sake of us, for the joy set before them on the cross. And 
And then, of course, I have a son now. And so I understand what it must have been like for God in that moment to like see this, you know, they're ripped apart, this relationship that had always been. And, and I I saw in the anguish in Jesus, right? If there's any other way, he's sweating blood, right? He doesn't want to lose his father. God, the father desperately wishes there was some other way besides his his son volunteering to go, to go take on this. And that began to heal my God image. <laughs> you know, yeah. I didn't, I had been separating the Trinity. And then when you see that love is the thing that's holding this universe together between the triune God, that's the central reality of it, man. That began to shift and heal me. Uh, that's, I know that's, that's one example of 50, but like nobody would say, Oh day, I didn't preach different because it was for other people. I could fully believe that, but man, on the inside, it, again, it frees you from performance. Cause how, how, up to that point, I was trying to prove to God the Father I was worth keeping around. How can you earn Jesus's death? You just can't. It's too good. It's too beautiful, right? It's too important. You can't possibly be good enough to earn. So it had freed me from some weird prison of my own making, you know? And so that's just an example. And that's the that's the voice of, of yes. the, the devil, the yes. Satan, yes. Um, the tempter to get us to think incorrectly about God and not believe in his goodness. And, and when he comes to Jesus at this time, it, that's part of it. It's, it's like, not, you're not God. That's not what he's trying to say. He's trying to say, Oh, you are God, but the father is, he's not providing for you. He's withholding. He can't love you like that. And so just do it this way. Just, it's just a little tweak. You know, yeah. make the stones into bread. You can do it. That's easy. And it would have been easy. Yeah. But it wouldn't have been the relational aspect yes. would have been yes. hindered there. And so Jesus says, no, no, that's that's not it. That's not the way I want to go at all. Um, and then gives us this truth. And, um, Dave, you've mentioned this, and I would just encourage people to go back to Deuteronomy chapter 8 and read the whole thing because it's a beautiful story. Of God's God's provision. Actually, it goes back to Deuteronomy 7. Mm. The whole thing, 7 and 8, is all there. It's all God's incredible provision. 100% agree with you, 100%. And and just, you know, the journey and the story of the Israelites, we can see ourselves in them so many different times. Yeah. And uh, to just to understand more of the big story yeah. of God through his word um, just helps us to um, in the middle of those circumstances, whatever they are, whatever the testing is for yeah. us to be able to say, no, what's important here? Yeah. And how do I do this in a way that honors God? Because when I do that, then it's good for me too. Yeah. And so often that voice, um, the temptation is to look at our circumstances, mm-hmm. which sometimes stink yeah. and they're terrible and bad things happen. And it's to say, see, see, you're not going to get taken care of. You're an orphan. You're all alone in this world. You got to grab and take. You got to do what you can, get what you need. Right. Right. And um, Jesus refuses that. It, it kind of reminds me of, um, and I don't know if we're going to map this on somebody. I forget. You, I think you sent it to me. Somebody had mapped Jesus's temptations onto the Lord's prayer. Oh no! When does it mean uh, it, it's like our father. It's like that the temptations yeah. somehow tie to the Lord's prayer. Our Father, yeah. Father, yeah. who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then give us this day our daily bread. Right. Yeah. 
it, it's a reminder of what? Who will provide? Mm-hmm. God will provide. And that's all Deuteronomy 7 and 8. The Israelites are led out of Egypt, and who provides for them? Every day. God provides, right? Yeah. Manna, um, water, uh, quail. Even gives them, you know, even gives them Costco chickens. That's what he did. That's how good God is. Costco rotisserie chickens. As much as they can eat. <laughs> as much as they could eat. That sounds delicious. Oh, uh, uh, anyway. Uh, anything else you want to say in, in, in closing? Uh, I, you know, I guess I would just say it's, um, it's not easy. We've got so many different things going on in our lives. Uh, taking the time to memorize scriptures to spend time in it to understand it um you you mentioned earlier um before this that you do you like to do that in group discussion so you can talk about it yeah which is important because if not we can go off on our own way there's but there's so many tools and uh, opportunities to get help uh, things like reading it with Bible 365, yeah. being in a life group. Totally. Um, but but taking responsibility ourselves. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I love that. How, how we how we understand and know and grow in God's Word is yeah. very important. And honestly, we're going through Matthew. Matthew is a pretty great book to start with. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stories in there. It's very, um, not all of them make immediate sense, but you can really get a sense of the movement and it teaches and shapes you. So even if you just want to read Matthew a couple dozen times, just keep reading it. Yeah. It'll shape you because you get to see God's heart. You get to see who Jesus is and then how people react. Um, it's really interesting. Totally agree. I've been, cause I know I knew we were going to be doing this. So I've been listening to really just the first few chapters of Matthew yeah. several different times. And, uh, I've been going to the message a lot lately because it just gives it another a new pop. fresh thingness <laughs> to yeah. it in a simple way. But just listening to it over and over, um, new things do pop out yeah. for you. But because it's God's word yep. and it's shaping and shifting. Mm-hmm. Well, Dana, thanks for uh, stopping by and sharing as you have. And thanks for, again, encouraging us. Um that, you know, the center of the story is that Jesus uses his, the Father's revealed word to help him through this test. And it's he was shaped by it. And if he needed to be shaped by it, if that's what it was for him, how much more so for us? And so that's really important. So and 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 just in general, you've always held up Bible study and the importance of God's word just from the very beginning. And I think that that's really a critical part of what it means to be healthy as a church and healthy as a Christian. Um, so, and, and especially in this age, I don't think some people are like, you know what? I think I take the Bible a little too seriously. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, it's, it's, uh, in general, it's, it it's the other. Yeah, very rare, very rare. So thank you for that. And uh, thanks for sharing what you did. You bet, my pleasure. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, just want to say thanks again to Dana Clifford for stopping by. Always awesome to talk to you, Dana. Thank you so much for being a part of uh, the podcast and also for all that you do and all that you are. Join us next week when we dive into the second temptation of Jesus, which is a doozy. Jay Kim will be stopping by, so you don't want to miss that. So we'll see you next week.